Hi, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Two Drunk Fans. Gab and I are at Tilt in Portland, where, well, one of us is fairly tipsy. Which one is, which one is that? Her name might rhyme with Schmace. You. You're, you're tipsy. Yes, I'm tipsy. After two beers on an empty stomach. We're currently talking Portland Thorns, because what else are you going to talk while you're in Portland? Gab, what are you thinking? What am I thinking? Um, so I love that, that the Twitter conversation has turned into Paul Riley says that Portland just needs to score more goals. And uh, somebody, <coughs> Mike Pacific, said that uh, here's the theory. Trade the rights to Vero for Abby Wambach and bring Abby Wambach to Portland. I say I burn my season tickets, but here's Theresa's thought. What if Abby is what the Thorns need? Thorns aren't scoring goals right now. They haven't won a game in six, something like that, right, at this point? What if Abby Wambach and Christine Sinclair combined to make the greatest goal-scoring duo in women's soccer history? What if? Just imagine it. That actually blows my mind. And when she said that the first time, I was like, we need to record this shit. Because my mind can actually make that happen. I don't think Abby Wambach and Christine Sinclair have ever been on the same team. Ever. All-star games, whatever. I think that they've always played on opposite teams. And you put them both on the same pitch, A, it's long ball soccer. But it's Christine Sinclair feeding the ball to Abby. Abby potentially putting it back on Chris. Chris? I'm going to call her Chris because I'm, I'm close like that with her. Abby eventually putting the ball back on her. And then, boom, goals happen. Like, could potentially could potentially be amazing, but could also be disastrous. Now, what part of this could not work? The part where the Portland Thorns gave Vero to Seattle Reign, which is maybe what Laura Harvey wanted all along. And then you have Vero running in front of Jess Fishlock and Kim Little and combining with Beverly Yanez and scoring, you know, all the goals. But do you think Vero... Okay, so that implies that Vero isn't playing the NWSL because she doesn't want to play for Portland. Do you think Seattle, or because Portland, or, okay, so, but also because Portland doesn't want to work with Vero, who wants to have like two or three clubs that she plays for every year. Do you think Seattle and Laura Harvey would be more flexible to, to bringing a Vero on board? I think it doesn't get more flexible than taking the rights for Abby Wambach, knowing full well she's not playing club soccer this season. That's flexible. Suck it. You're right. So this would be like the 2016 season, which is the Olympic season, and maybe Abby Wambach's pregnant by then. Who knows? Maybe Abby Wambach is pregnant with her little, like, perfect child that she's going to, like, genetically engineer. I know it was a joke, but she's going to genetically engineer to have. That's the power of Abby Wambach. She says, I'm going to get pregnant. Maybe they'll go outside of the realms of, you know, human science, and she'll just create a child out of the ether. I wouldn't put it past her. Well, I'm anticipating she's going to get so excited about scoring one of these goals in the World Cup that she's just going to be, boom, pregnant. Like, she scores goals. She already gave us a, like, old western gun salute. Uh-huh. She could just be, boom, pregnant, right? That's the way it works, right? Yes, that is. You know what? Medicine isn't a science, Liz Lemon. Who knows? 
Who knows? So we're hanging out in a bar in Portland and it's Thrace's second day. She's been here for about 24 hours. Buddy, what do you think of my city? Specifically my apartment. Your apartment's fantastic. It's great for about one person, maybe a cat. Portland itself is ridiculous. I mean, I like this place, but the Pacific Northwest is ridiculous. You have to admit that. How so? You took me into a store where they were offering a button down, a plain button down with like some random pattern on it for $115. Why is it $115? Is it bulletproof? They were offering sunglasses for over $300. Okay, but you didn't buy the, the button down or the sunglasses and there are probably those stores in Boston. You just don't take me to them, I just take you to them. That's true. They do have reasonable food truck prices here. I got a great two taco plate and a soft and a soda for like $8. So Portland has the extremes, like the reasonable and the completely fucking hipster unreasonable. But I guess that's true of any big city. Yeah. I, I took you into that store because I wanted to show you a store that I shop at when they do a 20% off discount or in a 50% off discount. But now you're eating a tray full of food as big as your face for what? $12? $10? Yes. Pretty fucking awesome, right? Yes. Boom. So we missed it at the beginning because we just got our food. But I think it's important for us to define for each other and for everybody. What are we drinking? So, in my best Boston accent, Thrace, what are you drinking? That was awful. I know. I, I know, I know. I am drinking something called a spring break in Corsica. I think there's some kind of pomegranate vodka in this. I just saw pomegranate vodka and then I was like, sure, I'll drink that. Because she's easy like that. Yeah. Okay. Um... I had a thing called <laughs> Sweet and Feisty, talking about easy. Uh, there's a little bit of tequila in there and a little bit of something, something else. Um, but then at, on happy hour until 6 o'clock, they're doing $3 pints of beer. So I'm also having a beer. Don't ask me what beer because I don't know what beer I'm drinking. Something red. Uh, Kitty Red. Something Kitty Red from Coalition Brewery. Something Kitty Red. I'm waiting for Gab to finish sneezing. You should see her face right now. It's amazing. She just... So something Kitty Red could also be used to describe you. Stop it. It's Collation Brewing Little Kitty Red. That's what I'm going to call you from now on. Little Kitty Red. Stop it. Stop it. That's your name from now on. Stop it. Okay. So, the NWSL starts up again this weekend. We're back in Portland because uh, I'm going to take Therese to her first Thorns game in Providence Park. She's already been to the Thorns Championship. She's seen the Thorns play in Boston whenever they kick our ass umpteen billion to zero. But this is going to be her first experience in the North End 
in Portland for a Thorns match. We're playing FCKC, but my question is, is it too soon? World Cup, we're about to start the round of 16. Is it too soon to start the NWSL? On the one hand, yes. It's nice to just focus on the Women's World Cup instead of having to also focus on club play. But on the other hand, no, because how long can you really reasonably delay NWSL without home crowds getting, you know, kind of anxious and panicky and being like, when's the next home game? And then it also means you have to push the end of the season further and further, and that probably means spending more money on renting out the stadiums. So I think I'm okay with this because it seems to me that they pushed as hard as they could to have a little break. I wish... You know what? I'm actually fine with this because there's fewer games during knockout instead of having games during group because there'd be like four games a day during group. But now, with knockout, there's fewer games in a day. So I think it's easier to schedule NWSL games so that you can watch both at the same time this way. I, I agree from a logistics standpoint that it makes more sense. But so I also... I also feel for the fans who are, who are sitting in bars or sitting at home watching the Women's World Cup and, it, and really excited and really drawn to a certain level of play. And now, guess what? They're going to go to NWSL games, and that level of play isn't at quite the same level. Isn't quite at that same mark. Quite that same level. And so suddenly, you know, women's soccer might not be that attractive in person. Because, let's be honest, like... When you're comparing World Cup teams to the teams we're seeing in the NWSL, there is a gap. But that's not to say that NWSL teams can't get there. I think we're just, we're in a really shitty year where teams are being torn apart. Uh, coaches are trying to do the best they can with what they've got. And unfortunately, we don't have that player depth that we thought we did uh, with all the college players. You know, a ton of players retired, a ton of players just chose not to play this year. And so I, I think that there's a certain level of um, awareness that fans need to have going into matches this weekend that you're not going to the Women's World Cup, you're going to go watch the NWSL. Yeah, that's fair, but at the same time, people watching the Men's World Cup don't go to MLS and think, I'm going to see exactly the same level of quality, there's always going to be a drop-off from national team to club. So I'm actually not terribly worried about that. Anybody who is watching the World Cup and then goes to a club game during the World Cup and expects the same thing is probably someone who needs a little bit, you know, of a primer to come up to speed. And a little bit of, like, a, a reality check to be like, look, the players you're seeing at the World Cup are there for a reason. Support your club. Support your team. They're doing the best they can with what the resources they have right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, supporting club soccer obviously is vital at any level, but especially for the women's. It gives them a place to play. It gives them a paycheck. It helps them train in the offseason when, you know, instead of having to have an 18-month-long national team residency camp, well, I guess my, my point here is imagine if Costa Rica or Colombia had more players in a league 
that was six months to eight months a year. You know, had more players who actually played professionally. They came into this tournament, tur- tournament, tournament, and raised hell because of their passion. But imagine if they had like the experience to back that up, which a lot of players who play club soccer do. They get to that level where they realize, like, okay, here's the level-headedness you need, here's the stamina you need, here's how you need to pace yourself. Um, I feel like a lot of these uh, Latin American teams uh, are going to do really well in future World Cups because they're getting that experience now. But it's one of those things that's like club soccer needs to exist to give more players experience. No, can you imagine if a team like Cote d'Ivoire or Thailand or Cameroon had some players that were NWSL or Damals Venskan or even Bundesliga or the French uh, First League level or FAWSL, if they had two or three more players on those teams that were at that level, can you imagine the product, the quality that we would have seen? We already saw something pretty good from those teams, but if they'd had, if each of those teams had had two or three more players that were the level of pro club soccer from an established women's league, it would have been B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Badass? Sure, we'll go with that. Bananas, bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-S. Yes, that is how you spell bananas. Okay, so when we started our World Cup adventure, we actually asked the audience for some questions. And our good friend, Richard Farley, (laughs) Richard Farley uh, DM'd me to ask you a few questions. Because normally people tell you the questions and then it's rapid fire right at me. So this time it's the other way around. So all of these are actually very interpersonal questions for you and I. It's team building, team bonding right now. Um, pick a favorite player for the other. It can't be your favorite and it can't be my favorite. Who would that other person's favorite be? Like pick a player who's not currently my favorite that you think is my favorite, but it's not your favorite. Vero Boquete. But she's my favorite. She's one of my favorites. Well, in that case, for you, I'll pick Ramona Bachman. That's a good one because she freaking frustrates me beyond belief. I'm seeing her play against Canada uh, on Sunday, right? Canada's playing Switzerland. So I get to see her again. Um, For you, not your favorite and not my favorite, I think it might actually be Carly Lloyd. I have made no secret about my admiration for Carly Lloyd. But is she your favorite? Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, I think that your favorite might be... Who would make you the happiest? Um... Diana Matheson? I also have made no secret of my... Okay, fine. Um, God, the Breakers cover just so many players. Like, so many players are the Breakers. I can't pick any of them to be your favorite. Uh, Megan Rapino? No, try again. Uh, Jesus. 
Um, this is a really hard one. I didn't think it was going to be this difficult. Hope Solo. Try again. What? No, I'm not trying to guess it. Is Hope Solo one of your current favorites? No, she is not. I, I, think, I think Hope Solo could be one of your favorites. No, I respect her ability, but that's it. It's a professional respect. No, and that's fine. I, I just think that you and Hope Solo, BFFs in the future. Sure. Why not? Let's put an end to this. Okay, fine. Um, another question from Richard Farley. What have we learned about each other from podcasting? I have learned some things that I can't repeat on the podcast because you and I talk, right? We talk about our personal lives before we start recording. We do, and sometimes while we're recording. There's a lot of editing that goes into this, which is, it makes this one interesting because this one is going to be unedited. I have learned that Gab really... I have learned that Thrace is really sensitive to noises, like chewing and like swallowing. And like I'm not allowed to drink while we're recording or while we're mid-conversation because it doesn't edit well. Like it's very difficult to edit out, but it also is a gross noise to her. Well, it's not just that it makes it tough to edit. There's also a real term for it. It's called misophonia, which is a hatred of certain sounds. I will fly across a table and punch you for smacking on your food. And and I'm really happy she's in Boston when I do smack on my food. So recently I've started muting myself while I'm chewing because I'll be so drunk that I need to eat. But we're in the middle of conversation, so I'll start muting my, my audio. And then she'll say something, and it takes me a really long time to unmute because I don't realize it's my turn to talk. Here's what I learned about Gab. Sometimes Gab will... The call will drop due to her terrible <laughs> internet connection. And Gab will not respond to texts or calls or any other social media attempts. She'll just wander off and go get tacos. And you'll think on your end that she's had a stroke or an aneurysm or that she passed out drunk and hit her head because you can't get a hold of her. She's not responding to phones, texts, DMs, WhatsApp, Facebook messages, emails. To be technical, I don't actually have WhatsApp. Whatever. So, what I learned is that sometimes Gab just wanders off, which causes you to contact everybody you know in Portland to go over to her apartment to make sure that she hasn't passed out in a puddle of her own vomit, when in fact she just wandered off to get tacos when the call dropped without telling you. Yeah, I uh, get distracted fairly easily, and when I'm hungry, I'm hungry, and I go out and I satisfy that hunger. Um, So, our, our third of four questions from Richard Farley... He has asked us to look each other in the eye and tell the audience what we like the most about the other. Yeah, that's what he that's what he's asked us for. Okay. That's easy. I like how put together you are. When someone says, here's a problem, you go into problem-solving mode and you create like a little plan of action and you go here's two or three solutions let's pick the best one for us and then you sort out the logistics of it all that's what I like about you I like how uh, analytical you can be where you don't you don't let your emotions interfere with things 
You're just like, no, it's cut and dry. Cut and dry. We have to amputate the limb. Cut and dry. We have to, like, vote them off the island. Like, I can't do that. I'm like, but, 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 I need my baby toe for balance. And you're like, no, no, it's, it's infected. It's going to take your whole leg. It has to go. And you talked me into it. Well, I was raised by a strict Korean mother. And Korean moms can be very cold, practical, and logical, very emotionless. You know, it's, it's kind of useful in certain situations. Speaking of Korea, how about their World Cup? Hey, we're advancing to the round of 16. I'm sorry, not sorry, that it knocked out Vero in Spain. Like, even, even I can admit those pictures of Vero Boquete after the tournament where she's symbolically stripping herself of all the tools that she used in the tournament and throwing them into the audience. I'm getting choked up now just thinking of it. And I wasn't even going for Spain. But I'm so pleased for South Korea. Ah, motherland. See, I've seen Vero far... I've seen Vero sad far too much in my Woso supporter career. Um, I saw Vero, Vero last year. I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but I know I talked about it on Twitter. Um, Vero, when we went to Seattle, we lost like five or six to nothing uh, at Seattle away last year. Vero was the last player on the pitch. All the other players kind of retreated to the locker room as quickly as possible. Vera was the last one out there, and it broke my heart. And so, you know, I can't even look at those photos of Vera crying this time around because, oh my God, like, that woman has my heart, unfortunately, because she's a women, she's a pro soccer player. Um, but... She makes it she makes it really easy to be a fan and really difficult to be a fan at the same time. Okay, I have one more question. This is rapid fire. You just have to say whatever comes to mind first. Who is the better person? Chard or Ange? Ange. Oh. Oh, that's harsh. Chardley. I hope you listen to this on the airplane as you're flying to Portland to hang out with Steph tomorrow at a comic book shop. And hear what her vote was. No hesitation. What kind of question is that? What did you think I would say? That Chard is better than Ange? Well, shoot. <laughs> well, well, shoot, Chard. What you going for there? So, Gab and I have been living in Vancouver, making it our ba- base of operations, while we're watching the World Cup in Canada. And Vancouver is where the party is at. I know it's not Canada's fault that it has these far-flung cities like in the middle of prairies because the, the country is like usually a sheet of ice for three or four months out of the year. Uh, but Vancouver is, seriously, if you want to watch games, it doesn't even matter what country you support. You need to be in Vancouver. To watch. Just in a bar. The place will fill up. The atmosphere is fantastic. BC Place is a great venue for the USA game. It was really intense. Before and after the game, the streets were flooded with fans. It looked like the United States had finally annexed Vancouver as part of the state of Washington. Sorry, Vancouver. You are now Seattle North. (laughs) That's, That's how good the atmosphere was. So... 
Vancouver has wildly exceeded all my expectations for what the World Cup would be like in Canada. It's it's been really awesome to be able to go to different venues, different cities, and see the hype. And unfortunately, you hear like some people say, "Oh, I wish it was promoted more in the city or that city." Vancouver is all about the Women's World Cup, and it's amazing. Um, you know, people just assume you're there for the cup, mainly because you're wearing a American flag bandana tied around your shaved head in a mohawk wearing a USA jersey and you're screaming USA USA and you're screaming USA USA drunk on the train but uh, it's been tons of fun Vancouver is is exactly where you want to be I'm really happy with decisions I made uh, to, to make Vancouver my home base but um, it's it's also it also hosts a couple of uh, difficult logistics because, you know, we're trying to figure out, okay, where exactly do we meet? Where exactly do we go? And it's it's hard because everybody in Vancouver is suddenly aware of the Women's World Cup. And things become crowded and busy. And it's only going to get worse as we get into further, as we get further into this tournament. We're starting the, the round of 16 uh, with Canada. Uh, they're going to be playing against Switzerland on Sunday. We're going to both be at that match. How do, how do you think that's going to happen? I'm so nervous. I'm really, really nervous. Because in the third group game, it seemed like Canada had finally gotten over their nerves. And they opened with that fantastic goal from Ashley Lawrence. But as, as the match wore on, it seemed like they got more and more scared again. And now it's knockout. It's, it's not group where you can lose a game and still advance. This is knockout. It's either perform or go the fuck home. So I'm actually really worried about this. Because Switzerland, as we've seen with Ramona Bachman, they could be a spoiler, a huge spoiler. If Canada doesn't pull it together and get over this weird crippling... It's not weird, but get over this crippling fear that they have about performing for Canada on home soil, it could go very badly. But the thing is, though... Diana Matheson is available for selection in this game. You know, if when else are you going to play Diana Matheson but now, when it matters the most, when you either advance or you die. So I think that might actually be the difference maker. Yeah, she's going to be a game changer. If she if she makes it into the starting, starting uh, 11, um, let's say they, they bench Tancredi. We haven't seen the best uh, out of Tancredi this tournament. We, we're looking at, at a position where maybe Canada puts in a few more of the youngsters. Um, maybe Fleming gets a start. And we suddenly are, are matching Switzerland's speed and youth. Um, this is going to be a really interesting match. Uh, everything I heard leading up to the opener was how Canada needed to make noise. Canada needed to support their team need to show up and represent. I think Vancouver's going to be a sea of red when we show up there, uh, up at BC Place on Sunday. Um, I'm going to wear my little Canadian moose hat that I have that was a gift, but uh, I think that's going to be on the minimal side of of fan uh, spirit. And I hope that the Canadian crowd can kind of share or uh, tell the team that, you know, they're supported and that they need to take chances. I think that's where this Canadian team really falls short is, is they, they're just not comfortable taking chances and uh, uh, living, you know, with risk.
Yeah, Canada needs to just accept, once you get into your head, just accept that we go out there and play the best we can. We feel the best 11 we can, we put out 100% effort, and if that's not good enough, then that's not good enough. If, I think they just need to accept that, that thing where you're like, you know your own limitations, and you're okay as long as you give everything you are capable of giving. And if that's not quite good enough to be the others, that's not necessarily your fault because you gave everything you had to give. It's it's one of those things where now we're in the round 16, we're in the knockouts, and every team needs to show up. And if they don't show up, they're going home. That's the same with USA Colombia. Um, we're in a position uh, as American fans where... The USA needs to put together a better game than they have this entire tournament. And yeah, maybe teams have been kind of playing on their heels or uh, haven't been playing to their full, full potential because guess what? It's a it's a tough tournament. There are a lot of teams. We've had another round, and we're, we're doing it in the same time span on turf. There are all these elements, and maybe coaches, maybe managers are taken into account. But the USA is going to really have to show up against Colombia. Uh, on two, on Monday. Ooh, Monday. That's really close. They're really going to have to show up on Monday, uh, score some goals, as Paul Riley likes to say. You know, we'd, we'd be the best team in the league if we just scored some goals. Um, the USA just needs to needs to make it past that round of 16. Oh, did I did I do that wrong? Damn it! Gab misspelled Colombia. Like a true patriot. With a U instead of an O. Whatever. Um, I mean, not whatever. It is it is a big deal. Uh, that's my bad. Um, but you guys couldn't see my spelling. She just called me out on it like like the dick she is. Um, okay, let's do our, our final calls. Can you pull up a bracket? Round of 16. Finally, we get to knockout rounds, and things are... Shit's getting real. So... We've got games like Germany, Sweden, Brazil, Australia. Uh, I think those are going to be some really big games. I'm banking on Germany. I'm going to say the eight teams that are going to come out of this are Germany, China, Australia, France, Canada, England, the United States, and Japan. Those are my eight teams. Wow. Okay. Um, so for this next, this round of 16, I, I think I think Germany's got it. Um, I'm going to go with Cameroon. I think that they can they can be the upset. I do. I, I think they can be the upset. I think Brazil's got it. Um, France, Canada, uh, Norway, USA, and Japan. <laughs> so slightly different. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> a lot of news or a lot of waves have been made about how FIFA set up group play. And we've been talking about this since the draw in December. Group play was set up in such a way where, where all of the top-seeded teams were set in designated cities. And the way the playoff format worked is that only certain groups will play certain other groups um, in, in the scenario. So there's no way that the U.S. and Germany, because they both topped their groups, would see each other in the final. There's no way they would see each other in the final. But um, I think they can see each other in the semifinal. Yeah, I think they'll meet in semifinals. What I would really think would be super interesting, I don't think it'll happen, but I would love for it to happen, 
is that the United States and Canada met in the final. Wouldn't that be amazing? I think that would blow North America away. I think CONCACAF would be over after that. You could just close CONCACAF and be done. I would be really intrigued by the demographics at BC Place for a match like that. But it could also very easily be Brazil-USA in the final. I know you had Australia being Brazil this round, but it could be Brazil-USA. I think that would be epic. I would really love for Australia to be Brazil. And despite all the naysayers, I think they could do it. I think there's... It's not even a slim chance. There's a decent chance they could do it if they've been playing like they've been playing all tournament long. Um, but USA-Brazil would be good because Brazil is one of the United States' great enemies in the women's soccer world. Yeah, great enemies, and Brazil is also trying to create legitimacy for themselves. It seems like every fucking tournament, Brazil is just battling this machismo attitude in their own country. Right, and and they're and they're just trying to prove themselves as athletes, like uh, very similar to, to what Spain was very public about this year, um, in trying to legitimize women's soccer for their their country to make it something that people actually cared about. Brazil's been doing this for what 12, 16 years, just battling this idea, and so for Brazil to make it to the final. I, I think is is epic. I, I don't think they will win the final because I think the USA um, is actually going to win the Women's World Cup because I'm a homer like that. Yeah, we all knew you enjoyed the persuasions of the fairer sex. <laughs> I don't like boys. Oh, never mind. So... Yes, a USA-Brazil final would be very exciting, especially given the drama that occurred in the corner final four years ago. Well, the, the header heard around the world? Yeah, that too, and the miracle on the field of a player coming back to life. Um, but I still would prefer a United States-Canada final. The United States-Canada would be epic. Like, epic. And the fact that we have tickets to said final is pretty awesome in and of itself. Um, I think I think that's about it from Portland, from the United States. Next time we're, we're going to be recording us back in Canada when we're drinking Canadian whiskey and rum, Cuban rum, and maybe smoking a Cuban cigar. I have a few in my room. We should bust them out. Yeah, we'll do that when we're in Canada. But for now, from Portland... I'm Thrace. And I'm Cap. Uh, goodbye.